This is the Adoptive Mom Podcast. Adoption may look different for each family, but we need solidarity from other crazy people who took this leap. And that is what we do here. We encourage, we build up, we share the wins and losses. We lean on each other and we get through this together. Thanks for joining us. Adoptive Mom Podcast, where I am bringing you stories of hope and encouragement and solidarity and all the things from influencers of basically every kind, sharing their adoption stories out loud for all of us to ride along for. This is episode 120 of season eight, and I am Alex Fitton. So let's get to it. Today is certainly a first, fam. I am bouncing with excitement as I tell you guys that Mrs. USA Universal is in our ears this week. Wendy Larian and I got to sit down and talk about why foster care and adoption were her chosen platform when she won the crown and how her personal adoption story influenced her journey along the way. This woman is so incredible, you guys. She is crazy busy, and she literally took so much time after our recording to chat with me and mentor me and even followed up afterwards. Uh, She is the real deal, y'all. I cannot wait for you guys to listen. Before we get to our chat with Wendy, though, I want to ask you guys for a huge favor. Can you share this episode or whichever one you want on social media? Uh, Word of mouth is still the very best way to get into more ears, and I definitely would appreciate y'all's help with that. So simply pick an episode, pick your favorite social media platform or all of them, and tell your people why they should listen. Okay, you're the best. Thanks, friend. All right. Let's go chat with Mrs. USA herself, Wendy Larian. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Adoptive Mom Podcast. I am so excited to be sitting here with Miss USA Universal. Mrs. I'm sorry, Mrs. USA Universal, Wendy Larian. How are you doing? All good. Yes. I'm the one that comes with the husband and kids. I was going to say, I'm just trying to erase your family. <laughs> I love that though. Um, yeah. So this is like super duper cool. Um, this is a first for me. This is like, I've, you know, this is really awesome. So take a second, just introduce us to you and your family. Absolutely. Well, I have been a foster mom since I was 20 years old. Um, I will date myself here. I've been doing it for 28 years. So yes, I am now 48 years old. I was the oldest contestant to uh, win the title of Mrs. USA. And I believe I probably be the oldest contestant when I go to compete for Mrs. Universal. I have uh, six children, uh, similar to you. I have bi- three biological and I have three adopted. Um, and we are in the midst of adopting our fourth. Oh my goodness. I was about to say you're half and half, but you're not going to be half and half. No, the house is too quiet. I mean, we have four St. Bernard's and a potbelly pig and a horse, but it needs more noise. So, oh my gosh, you're like overachiever. (laughs) Never heard of her. (laughs) I just, I like the kids they are squishy and cute. Oh my gosh. I love that. Okay. So you've been, you're married, you have a million children. Um, what on earth? Well, okay. You know what? Never mind. We're just going to start from the beginning. What on earth made you be like, I'm 20. Let's jump into foster care. Let's do it. Honest. It was the way I was brought up. My grandmother had four kids adopted three. My mother had four kids adopted one. 
Um, if this makes the family tree a little strange, my mother adopted and is raising, it sounds so strange. My brother who happens to also be my son's brother, uh, the birth mom had three children. I took two and my mom took one of them. Uh, he's very special needs and we wanted to keep them together. And since we live 10 minutes apart, why not? So yes, that's a strange thing, but, um, no, I, I went and got my bachelor's in uh, college, and but I always knew that I love teaching, but I wanted to teach my own kids. Um, didn't matter if they were biological, adopted, step, whatever. I just wanted to be with kids all the time in the house. And uh, so I became a foster mom um, of high-risk kids. So kids that have been prenatally exposed, drugs, alcohol, sexual abuse, physical abuse. And um, I love a challenge uh, for me, for them they just become parts of the family and um, take the labels off of them. And they're your average everyday kid. I love that. I mean, like it's enough that you're, you know, where other kids when they're 20 are like, what day is it sleeping till noon? And you're not only a foster mom, but a foster mom to like high needs kids. And as a, as a mom of someone who was exposed in utero, like that's a lot, man, that's a lot. Um, So how many, foster kids did you have total or have you had total over the years? I've probably had 20, 25, Um, but my first one got me hooked. Um, Believe it or not, it was right when the Northridge Northridge earthquake hit in California. I had just bought a home. All of a sudden here I was with this baby had been born on Christmas day and he was, you know, about two weeks, three weeks old. And all of a sudden the earthquake hit and I was, that's when I think it hit me. I'm taking care of a drug exposed baby. I have all the belief in the world that I'm doing the right job, but an earthquake just hit. And now I'm in the driveway with them. What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? That that kid um, is amazing. He just served uh, four years in the U.S. Navy. Uh, he lives about a half an hour from my home, and he is the most beautiful boy I could imagine. And um, every one of my kids are like that, whether they're adoptive, biological you know, and that's why we're doing it again. Um, yeah. we're, we're in the midst of adopting a little boy. He's uh, now seven and he's in China. So when China and the U S um, get this together, we are going to go get him and bring him home. His race car bed is waiting and uh, we'll have some medical issues with them, but you know, you could have the same thing with a biological kid. So yeah, that smile. So he'll deal with anything. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Well, and yeah, I mean, China is a, is it a two visit country? Nope. One visit, one visit. Um, and how long do you have to stay? Well, normally you're in and out in about a week and a half, two weeks, but because of COVID, we may be quarantined longer. We may be there longer. Um, I'm just, you know, I'm going to, when China's ready, China's going to let us come. And, um, they're giving me the gift of being a mommy again. So I'm not going to question them. <laughs> I'll just, it'll happen. <laughs> God's teaching me patience. (laughs) The best lesson, right? (laughs) Okay. So you took it, you know, you, you, you started this off with your first kid, the earthquake, all of that. And then you kind of bookended us with the adoption to be what happened in the middle there. Um, just tell us, yeah. Like, did you adopt first or did you get, did you have birth to give birth first? No, I adopted first. I Um, love that. Those are my favorite stories. I love it. I adopted um, my Jakers and then all of a sudden it was a two for one package. I got his sister. Uh, My mom got his brother 
And uh, then in the midst of it, I was still wanting to adopt internationally. I have a child from Guatemala. So two domestics and a Guatemalan later, and uh, I'm pregnant. <laughs> so four awesome. under four. Um, yeah, I, I, I was still learning patience back then. And, um, you know, it's the house, the kids all went off to school and we just kept fostering and I've had a lot of teenagers. I love the older ones and um, they've got when they're happy and they're older and they're in the foster care system, they've got a heart of gold. And they're, they've got drive and they've got hope. So um, then all of a sudden I had another biological child, two more, and I said, it's time to foster again. And sometimes they go home and sometimes they don't. So, and you're like, whatever the, whatever happens, I'm here for it. We have a, it is, we have a multicultural family, a diverse family. I mean, our youngest is now seven. My oldest is now 30. Um, and I am a grandma, uh, I've got, uh, let's see, four grandkids and one on the way. And, um, you know what, it's just, it's a different way to build a family. Yeah. I think people grow up and they realize, you know, you're not your, look at your spouse. Your spouse is not biologically your family member, but you, they're your everything and they're your family and adopting and fostering children is no different. They may not be your blood, but they are your family. And, uh, yeah, you know that. I mean, it's just I've I I know you have two boys, right? So I have and three. I have three boys and a girl. Three boys and a girl. Okay, and so like same thing. I have a biological son and a birth and a adoptive son, both from birth. Um, except for the fact they look a little different. One's black and one's white. <laughs> I mean, I couldn't tell you. They have the same traditions, the same family. They're my kids. There's no difference. One served army, one served Navy. I guess that's the big difference. <laughs> a house divided, right? <laughs> it is. Don't come to my house when the army plays the Navy. Okay. So what, when did you meet your husband and how did he take this, these big dreams of yours? Um, you know what? It's, it's been part of me. It is always part. It's always been part of me. Um, from the time I was little. So it kind of comes as well, Wendy likes kids and yeah, Wendy's almost 50, but Wendy's not done with kids. And I think he gets that now. Um, <laughs> and, um, he's the one who's saying, you know what, if they only have one person going to China, dude, it's him. So this is his son. Um, I pray that little Koa loves NASCAR because he's going to a lot of NASCAR, that poor thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, And I mean, if I could foster again, I would, but you know, the logistics of it is you can't uh, internationally adopt at the same time you foster, you can have one license. So um, drop that license after a while. And you can't have an empty house. You can't have empty bedrooms when there's kids that need homes. Um, I just got back from Utah and I just saw that firsthand so well, they had their 19th annual chalk festival uh, 2,600 foster kids in Utah and only 1200 homes. What do you do? And I, I mean, that's the case in so many States, like it some is. States are worse, honestly. And, worse, and I just, it's, do you see these kids running around? I mean, you just got, these are just kids want to go to ballet lessons. They want to go have dinner. They want to maybe stop for a Slurpee. They're just kids, but they need a home. So mm. that is my mission as since I was 20, it's my mission as Mrs. USA. Um, I want to show people, tell people, yell to the farthest parts I can that open your arms to these kids. There is no difference. 
Yeah. So let's talk about that a little bit. What, what made you want to run, um, and then kind of like your platform too. I mean, I feel like the, your platform was a pretty natural fit. It sounds like, but how, (laughs) how was that, you know, how was that taken even by the other contestants? Were they like, what foster care or was it pretty normal? Uh, I've done pageants over the years. Um, and, but I always, focused on the fact that I love doing international relief work, uh, working for all hands and hearts. When natural disasters hit, we go rebuild homes. Um, I've rebuilt homes in Haiti, Mexico, the U S Virgin islands. That's always been my push. And finally someone said, why don't you ever talk about adoption? I'm like, because that's the way I built my family. They're like, we are in the midst of COVID. If the, if COVID's taught us one thing more than anything, it's the importance of family. If you don't have it, imagine these, we complain after one year, imagine being like this without a family year after year, it's unacceptable. And so I said, you know what, I'm going to not, I hate to say the word, but pimp out my kids, but yeah, pimp out my story of my life and what it's like to be a a mom adopting children and why there's no difference. And um, next thing I knew um, our numbers were down because of COVID. So I just invited a whole bunch of foster kids and their families in the Colorado area from where our pageant was being held. And when I came out and I saw all those foster kids sitting out there in that audience, I guess I sparkled because the judges says I glowed. So <laughs> I was just so happy seeing them all. Yeah. And, um, you know, there, that's my passion. That's my mission. Um, I leave again tomorrow back to Utah. Um, I just got accepted to go to summer camp um, for uh, the Love Foundation and with a whole bunch of foster children and let them experience not only summer camp, but knowing that they're not alone. Yeah. Uh, so I have a lot of different things in the last, ne- I guess, in the next 60 days. And I've hit 11 states in the last four months. So I'm busy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I mean, just look at your Instagram. Like you're all over the place, man. <laughs> <laughs> Well, like you said, there's kids all over the place and, um, we need to get the message out. Yeah. So how did your family like that? I mean, I assume that they weren't like, no mom, don't talk about us, but like, what did they think about kind of being on display and, and not in a negative way, but like having you fight for people like them, you know, like, what did they think about all that? Uh, I think they're just, they think mom's weird, you know, (laughs) (laughs) you were going to say Mom, mom, you're like, mom, you wear bell bottoms and mom, you put your hair in pigtails and, and no, you don't even own a computer. You know what? Why? Why this? And I said, why? Because there's some moms out there that gave me the best gift. Um, they gave me their kids to raise. Um, I share them and I don't mind sharing the kids, especially when they're that cool. So um, you know, they have, they, some of them do have a little limit. Like my daughter has a limit mom, one post per trip. I go on with you because she'll go on a lot. Some of these trips with me, um, mom, do you have to post me all the time? Can we do once a month with our photos? You know, there's lots of other kids out there <laughs> and uh, we, we compromise, but you know, they're also finding the fun part of me being Mrs. USA. Um, my daughter went with me to Hawaii to work with the homeless and foster kids there. Um, my son's, uh, coming home from the army and he just found out now because of this, I'm an ambassador over at Arlington national cemetery for the flowers they give out. And he's like, okay, mom, it's a little bit cool. You're still a dork, but it's a little bit cool that you do this. I just love that. Yeah. I thought, I literally thought you were about to be like, you know, I think they're really proud, but 
like, oh, they think I'm a dork. <laughs> anyone that I, anyone that I get to interview on here that has, you know, a bigger platform, they all of their kids are like, can you please get me a snack? Like they don't care about your title or like who you no. are at all. We went to a Walt Disney world last month. My daughter came with me on that trip and she, I said, okay, see some of the perks of being Mrs. USA. We're going to come here to the, it was the contractor's cup. It's for raising funds for the kids aging out of the foster care system in Florida. And I said, oh, we're going to do this, but at the same time, then I will take you to Walt Disney world. Are you wearing the banner? And I go, yeah, I have to. They gave me the tickets. Yes, I'm wearing the banner. Mom, two ride limit. After two rides, you know, stash the sash. Stash the sash. I'm like, you know, these little kids think it's cool. And they're like, yeah, and the moms and the dads do too. Lose it. I love it. That's life in my house. Um, it sounds like you have a lot of life in your house, a lot of like a lot of different cultures, a lot of different personalities. How has that been, especially being able to share that? Um, I think that you have a lot of eyes on you, especially through transracial adoption and, uh, what that looks like, how, what is your, what, what are some of the things that you say pretty consistently to families asking questions about your family? Never compare. Um, just like my, I have my biological brother, Jake, he was a professional mountain bike rider. Um, I loved working at the local Bob's big boy. He'd go out with his friends and party. I liked going on hikes. We're biologically related and we were night and day. And I think people have to understand that whether you have biological kids, adoptive kids, foster kids, stepkids, don't compare them. Um, they're different just as you and I are like, we might have likes are different. Once you start comparing kids, their self-worth goes down, their dreams go out the door. They feel they have to be someone else and they're not enough. Um, my, my daughter's summer is a 4.0 and without even trying a 4.4, if she tried, um, my son, Jared was a 1.8 and you know what? School came hard to him. He had IEPs and the resource classes. And you know what? He worked just as hard and he was just as accomplished in his own way. Every kid gets to their own place in their own way. Just don't compare them. Yeah. No, I mean, and that's, I think that's fantastic advice. And especially it sounds like you are very pro open adoption. You're very pro just talking to your kids about their story and being pretty open to questions and stuff like that. So what are you, I think that that's pretty new. You know, that's something that Mm -hmm. I've been talking to my guests a lot for this season about is that, you know, in the past adoption has been such a hush hush issue. Like, you know, are you going to tell them they're adopted? And you know, our generation now who is adopting, we're like, yeah, I'm going to tell them like, that's a weird question, but that's super new. So, you know, how do you kind of handle those questions, especially with people, um, encouraging them to be more open? Like, it seems like you are with your, with your story and with your kids' stories and making sure that they know that you're no, you know, you're no question is off limits for you. Absolutely. Um, well, you know, I, when my kids were little when they were, um, let's say, four, five, six, and seven. I had a white, two black and a Hispanic. And I'd walk into a grocery store and somebody would look at me and they'd be like, wow, you have your hands full. And I'm like, well, not exactly. There's still room in the car, but yeah, I'm getting there. And then they'd say, well, are they all yours? And I'd say, yep, they're all mine. They're all yours. You gave birth to all of them. And I'd be looking at that person going, you know what? Yes, I gave birth to them. 
and the kids would be laughing hysterically because they don't realize that when you become an adoptive mom, a foster mom, or a step parent, you give birth in a different way. You mm-hmm. create your family in a different way. No different, no better, no worse, just in a different way. And my kids have always known that, that I love how I got them. I love the way they look different. I love the way they're talented in different ways that I could never be talented in. They're all just different. And, um, you know, some of them, like my son, uh, one son has wanted to not reach out to his birth parent, wants nothing really to do. My other daughter wants everything to do and visits and lives very close to him. So I think you just have to tell the kids, you know what, whatever you're comfortable with, go for it. You have a family. You could have two families. Um, you know, down the road, you're going to get married. You're going to have another family. But once you start putting dividers and telling kids that you can only be for me and you can only accept me, but you can't accept, you make kids choose. And then you make them all of a sudden realize that maybe they did come from a different way. And maybe that wasn't acceptable. Well, it's perfectly acceptable to keep having different families. And again, COVID has taught us that, you know, look what we all have these cohorts now. And most of our cohorts aren't biological family, but oh, do we depend on them for everything? Girl, like preach. That's yep. I think that that's I think that sometimes we tend to even overcomplicate this stuff. And even what you're saying in in your life, like what what you literally just said about talking to people in the grocery store, there's still room in the car. Like I think that sometimes we let overwhelm feel really complicated. And sometimes it's it's better to just say, to look around and take it as it comes, which is so hard. Like for me, that's really hard. I'm, um, but just to say like, this is where we're at and we're going to be here. And that's, you know, we're not going to compare to other families. We're not going to compare one kid to another. We're just going to be where we're at. Um, and that's a lesson so many people could learn. Oh my gosh. Myself included. No. And you know what? And if the kids know that this is, you know, we just have a family that grows with love. And I mean, I remember back then I sold my minivan. (laughs) You're going to love this. This gosh, this goes back. I went and sold my minivan and bought a 12 passenger van. And people were like, Oh my God, how many more are you having? I said, no, it's just, I refuse to tell my kids. Oh, sorry. We already have too many kids. I can't bring your friends home. I wanted their friends to come over. I wanted the the more noise, the better, the more kids, the better. Um, and, you know, I remember, gosh, I had that passenger van for probably six years because I could always have kids over and always have the family grow. Girl, I love it. Do you st- wait? So you don't still have it? No. Well, now I am down to, well, I'm down to two kids. Uh, the other uh, five are all adults. That's fair. I was just hoping you rolled up to the pageant in that. That would be the uh, best. I've rolled up to a pageant in a minivan with a plastic Walmart water table tied to the top. (laughs) (laughs) My uh, husband couldn't go and I was determined to go once again, uh, only, you know, to make runner up once again to California. And I was like, you know what? I'm not going to miss this. And I'm sorry if dad can't come, but you're all coming. What are you going to do? Here's the plastic water table. We put it on the hotel patio and the I hired a babysitter from the hotel and she's going to watch you. Well, why can't we go to the pool? Because I don't trust her. You stay in the backyard of this little hotel right there. I'm going to interviews and I'll be back. <laughs> Let it be real. <laughs> I'm just imagining you like with the, you know, smile. 
trying to answer questions and then you go back and have to like change a diaper or something. Oh yeah. And then when I finally did win the state of California, you're going to die. This is, this shows you what you teach your kids is they came to my door and the, my daughter, Sadie goes, mom, she goes, you know, inside edition. I go, yeah. With Mrs. Norville. She, they're on at the front door and she would like to talk to you. And I went, wait, what? <laughs> I was like, that's really funny. Mommy's head's that big now. No, she really would like to talk to you. And I go, okay. Oh my gosh, that is her. And I go, what? She goes, well, we call you the Susan Lucia pageants. You were runner up so many times that you finally won. What do you think? And I just stood there and my daughter goes, well, mommy loses all the time. So it teaches us we don't quit. <laughs> So if you ask my kids why I do pageants, it's because it teaches them not to quit. Mommy did it so many years and mommy finally got her job. And now that my kids are all grown up, mommy did it again. And mommy finally won, I guess, the national title. And mommy's going to help other kids get a home. What a lesson. Like, I'm trying to, like, teach them to throw their bowl in the sink and you're oh no don't worry you'll never get that my 15 year old daughter upstairs probably has two cereal balls just let it go (laughs) you're going for the bigger lessons let go it's not worth it (laughs) oh my goodness I'm seriously crying laughing like I'm not exaggerating that's so funny um okay like shifting gears a little bit so that reminded me so having a big family having a very fluid family uh what are your best like keeping the train on the tracks tips enjoy the moment um life can change very quickly um I brought up my brother Jake uh my brother Jake ended up dying at 25 years old um and then I lost my dad at 48 And people always say, how do you keep your priorities in check when you lose family? And, you know, it's hard. It's so hard, but it it reminds you that life's so short. I enjoy every minute with my kids. Um, I don't want to miss a moment. It's not that I'm going to be a hover mom, um, but I'll tell you, my kids are coming back home um, in August here and we're all going houseboating. And I am so blessed because my daughter biological daughter who lives in Italy. Now my son, uh, Jake, who again, adoptive son who lives in 30 minutes away, he's coming. My son who's serving in the army right now in Fort Polk, Louisiana is flying in. Um, my daughter, Sadie, who lives in Massachusetts next to her birth mom now and has reconnected with her. She's coming in and we're all houseboating and I'm not taking any of that for granted. I might be a hovering grandma on that trip, but I'm just glad to see my kids because I know that life can be taken so fast. And I'm very blessed that I have my kids. I get to do this with, I just, I wish Koa from China was here, but he'll come on the next trip and uh, he'll be as confused for a while as can be, because he's going to try to figure out what kind of family he came into, but (laughs) he's coming into one where everybody is so excited for him. Yeah. Oh, I love that. And I love that. I mean, genuinely, I love that. Once again, you really seemed to answer all of my questions from such a broad lens, which is so necessary because I think that as adoptive moms, we can tend to think kind of small because our heads, we just feel a little buried, you know, like Mm -hmm. we're under the waves. We're just trying to survive. And I love that literally to every question you've answered from such 
you know, 20,000 foot view, which I think we miss so much. We're just like trying to get through the day, but we're not thinking about that kind of stuff. And so in answer to the question of like how to keep the train on the tracks, you're like, it's already on the tracks. Just look at it. And I, I love that. Like, that's so important. Well, it, I think when you just sit back and you look at how you create your family, it doesn't have to be the cookie cutter idea of a family. I wouldn't have wanted it that way. I didn't want it that way. I wanted honestly the kids that nobody wanted because I, I guess that's where my, sometimes my anger comes from is I was going to show the world the gifts that these kids have, whether they were biological or adopted. I want to show people to take labels off and enjoy these kids. And, um, it's so important because unless they get adopted, they're going to be still become our kids. They're going to just become our kids in the juvenile system. They're going to become our kids on the streets. They're going to become our kids sleeping out on the sidewalks. They're going to become the kids having kids. So we take care of them. We make them parts of our family or we will all have to deal with it because I'll tell you, if I didn't get, if I didn't have um, my family, if all of a sudden I was a foster kid and nobody ever went along and decided to make me part of their permanent home, I'll tell you, that's where I'd be because family is everything to me. And if I didn't have it, I think I would fall apart. Yeah. Oh, girl, I was like writing that down as you were talking. It's so important to remember and just to talk about. And I love that you have such an amazing platform to share that. Um, and that it's probably falling on ears that didn't even know or aren't aware or aren't looking to be aware, you know, and and you get to talk to them about it and show them and demonstrate, like, hey, look, you know, I'm I'm doing it. I'm not just talking about, it, I'm doing it. Um, which again, so important. Like that's really cool. Well, and you don't have to be perfect parent. We're not perfect. We can, but that you have to be perfect when it comes to your intentions, your commitment, um, your drive. If you can say 100%, I'm going to be an active, involved parent. You don't have to be perfect. You can be married, single, gay, straight, young, old. It doesn't matter. These kids don't care. I can tell you little Koa is sitting in China and he does not care if a pageant mommy, if a policeman mommy, if a manager mommy, if an at-home mommy comes to get him, he doesn't care. He just wants somebody to get him before that kid turns 14. Because once he turns 14, he's on the streets and he's an adult in China. Mm. Or if they're here in America, these kids know by the time they're 12, game's over. Get ready to start being emancipated and when you're, you know, or gain on your own and get ready because when you hit 18, game's over. And yep. that's not okay. Yeah. And I think that it may, maybe this is, I mean, another question for you, but you know, when we, when we adopted our teen, there was definitely a shift that had to happen in my expectations versus the reality and having to come to terms with the fact that, you know, our relationship with him might not look the same, but that was still okay. It was still good for our family to be a launching pad for him, for him to call us home even if he doesn't call us mom and dad, you know, like that was still, that was still acceptable. It was still a good thing. It was, even if it doesn't look cookie cutter, like you said. Um, and I think that that's so important for people to know, because if they can't come in saying, I don't think I could ever, you know, love them the same way. It's like, that's okay. No one's asking you to, we're asking you to give them a home and to love them in a different way and in a unique way to love them for who they are. Um, 
not the way you think you should, or the way that, you know, the, the, whatever the world tells you you should or whatever. It is. And then, but it's also that you have to understand that the, or that people have to understand that these are kids that yeah, have experienced most of the time, massive trauma, Mm -hmm. just being ripped away from your family, let alone you left your school, let alone you left your friends, let alone you see all your friends out there with bedrooms and gifts and toys, and you have none of it. All your stuff fits in a bag. And then you move to the next home when a social worker tells you to. A trash bag, usually. Yep. And that you make any of us do that. And we will be a complete mess. But it does take time. But I'll tell you, you'll have problems with your biological kids just the same. <laughs> I've had it. I remember my daughter, 15 years old. Oh, um, what is this? Your daughter was in the park. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. At two in the morning. All right. Get her butt home. <laughs> I've had the same with an adoptive kid. So it doesn't matter. Kids are kids, but you got to just give them those expectations that look at, you might have a, a road. We're going to go down it together and we are going to celebrate when things go well and we're going to come together when they don't. But whether you're 16, 18, 28, my daughter, 30, guess what? She always knows she has somewhere to come home to and to cry to. And that is so important. That's family. Yeah. That, I mean, that's like final, like, you know, period, like all of that mic drop. It's so good. I couldn't even find that word. I was like, I just recently read a book that was uh, where they spoke French and they would say point final. And I almost said that. <laughs> <laughs> point final. <laughs> point final. <laughs> Sounds like in our house, my uh, daughter who lives in Italy married an Italian. So the kids always come on the phone. They look at me and they, again, they don't call me grandma because that's too hard. I guess in Italian, they go, windy. I go, yes. Oh, bellissimo. Like, uh-huh, <laughs> English. <laughs> Especially, isn't it Nona there? Uh, I think, but see, they see their Nona all the time in Italy, mm. the other Nona. So they're trying to figure out why the, the white Nona here in the United States that they can't, they haven't seen in a year and a half because of COVID who has a piggy walking around our house all the time. Yeah. They're just going with Wendy at this point. <laughs> That's fair. Take it. Wendy. It's fine. Whatever. <laughs> I love it. Okay. So I have some closing questions for you that I ask of every guest. Are you ready Go for it? Okay. What do you wish you had known at the beginning of this journey to go back in a time machine, tell past Wendy, how fast it was going to go by. Mm. I love being a mom. That's why I'm doing it again. Um, I wish it did not go so fast. Uh, I would not have wished for one hard day to go away because I would have known that there's so many special days ahead. And enjoy every moment with the kids because you're going to blink and they're going to be adults and they're going to call once in a while. And that's the hardest part. (laughs) Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Okay. What do you wish you had done differently? Well, you'll laugh at this. I did parent child fear factor with my daughter and she was 10 at the time, the one who's now 30. And I wish I would have, uh, enjoy. Well, at first I wish I would have swam a little faster so we could have won that show. (laughs) Um, I wish I would have, um, spent some time when they were teenagers understanding them more and not trying again to get through it. And again, that brings us back to that last question. Don't wish these days away. It's going to get better. And the good days are going to go by fast. So slow down, enjoy every moment of it, especially when the kids like yours, when they come older, 
Now you even have more time to make up, get it done, spend more time with them. Oh, that I needed to hear that today, actually, just like literally today. Um, okay. How has your tribe best supported you through your journey? <laughs> Cause they walk the walk with me. Um, my mom again is raising my brother who happens to be my son and daughter's brother. Um, my grandmother is still raising adoptive children because she is 94 years old, but she had adopted very special needs kids, uh, kids who were special needs, who were uh, deaf or blind, and she's raising them. So my grandmother, and my mom, they are my tribe. They get me. They know what I'm going through. Um, and But they show me that we have the best job in the world. We're moms, whether they're biological, adoptive, step neighbors, kids, we're moms. Doesn't get any better than that. I love that. Neighbors, kids do like everyone's welcome. You influence them. Trust me. (laughs) That's true. Uh, okay. So on the flip side, yes. How have you felt hurt or unsupported or misunderstood through your process? I would have to say, um, my inexperience or my age early on in being a foster parent, Um, at times I thought social workers were against me Mm. and I have learned that social workers have probably one of the hardest jobs when it comes to this whole process. They are just trying to put the right child in the right home and get the needs needs met and deal with everything else. I wish I could have understood that better. I wish I could, um, have been more, um, receptive, because in the end, they really do an amazing job and um, kudos to the social workers out there. I've learned to appreciate the one I have right now because she gives me the best advice, how to read about institutionalized kids, what to get ready for an older child with a skin disorder like our little boy has, um, how to meet his medical needs, but not too fast because everything else is going to be such a change for him. Mm. So. Those are the little things, you know, that you just don't think about, but Mm. it's always great when people are there with you, you know? Okay. So to wrap it all up, what is your best piece of advice or encouragement for mamas in the trenches? They're just, they're asking for a drink of water right now. They're drowning. Look at the bigger picture. Uh, There is that saying, um, adopting one child won't change the world. But for that one child, the world is going to change. And I can tell you, having adopted children who are now adults, their world's changed. They have a forever foundation, a forever family, forever traditions. Um, Their world's changed. And but for me, I came and imagined my world without them in it. They're my everything. Every one of my kids are my everything. And that's why. I'm, I'm literally counting the days to being able to see them all after a year and a half of COVID from different countries. They are all distant and we all get to come together and it's going to be like, we never missed a beat because their world is their family and they're all coming back to that. It's the best gift. I love that. Okay, guys. Um, that's going to be it for this episode of the adoptive mom podcast. But as always, Wendy and I are about to go have a fun conversation over on Patreon. So if you want to join us for our lightning round, she has no idea what's about to come to her. 
uh, head to the adoptive mom podcast.com slash Patreon until then though, Wendy, tell us where we can find you and follow along. Absolutely. Uh, you can go to Mrs. USA universal on either Instagram or Facebook and, or you can also go to the Mrs. USA universal.org. But go to my Instagram, you'll see uh, the work I do with foster and adoption. And if there's ever an event you need um, help with, please let me know. That is my passion and I will be there. Yeah. And you're traveling constantly. So you know what? She, <laughs> she might be coming to a city near you guys. <laughs> four Love states it. next four weeks. When, when are you done with the, the title? Well, I won last uh, February. So, um, I will have the title one year, um, unless I get lucky and win the title of Mrs. Universal. Um, but you know what, go there, compete, have fun with other women. Um, I still get to get back on the plane as Mrs. USA. It's awesome. (laughs) You know what? Amazing. I wish we could vote, right? But I get to embarrass the kids, right? Come on. They get to think you're weird all over again. Absolutely. Amen. I love it. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Wendy. This has been a blast. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Adoptive Mom Podcast. I hope you found encouragement here. I need you to know that you are enough and you're doing a great job. We are all in this together and I am over here cheering you on. Don't forget to check out show notes for this episode and other resources at theadoptivemompodcast.com. Thanks for joining us.